Radio Drone. Do I even need to tell you guys that it's another episode of Radio Drone with Brad can make women wet with his voice, Jones? <laughs> That's the name they gave me. You like that intro there? I do very, very much. What about Suede makes men hard, Alex Jowski? Oh well, I I didn't know I had that 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 ability. I'm hard right now. Oh whoa! After, after, after Radio Drum, I have the worst case of blue balls. <laughs> I just go in the bathroom and take care of it. You can always go to AdamandEve.com, use the promo code DROME to get 50% off of an item to use for that. You'd also get free shipping, three free DVDs, and a free mystery gift, all to take care of the hard-on that Alex's voice gives you, or to take care of the wetness that Brad's voice gives you, or to take care of the anger that my voice gives you. All right, so tonight I want to talk about director's cuts. All of us are big movie fans. We've been hearing about this for years. That the director will say, oh, they took my movie away from me. I didn't have Final Cut. Nowadays, you always, you tend to see the director's cut hit DVD. When we were growing up, we rarely saw the director's cut unless it was a really special case. And, like, I, I personally, like, I think that there's a really big difference, mostly anyway, between director's cut and unrated version. That's a marketing gimmick. Like, the one that I'm thinking of when you bring that up is Pitch Black. When that uh-huh. came out on DVD, it was the unrated edition. There was no extra gore added, no extra no extra sex added. It was just a bunch of extra scenes put back in, most of them completely superfluous to the plot. Only yeah. one of them actually helped the movie at all. And they just said, well, this version didn't go to the MPAA, so it's unrated. It was a, a marketing tool. Point. But, like, I'm thinking the first one chronologically that, that I can think of that really was a big deal to have the director's cut come out was when Z Channel aired the director's cut of Heaven's Gate. Ah, when was that? that when, did, when, did, when did that first get aired? They aired that in, like, 86, maybe? Uh, 85, yeah. 86. So it was a good five years after the movie had been just completely destroyed by the critics. Because up until then, anyone only really saw that original four-hour version when it played in New York. For like that week, week and a half. And I don't think I don't think the movie, the theatrical cut, even got a VHS release till around that time either. So the movie kind of fell into obscurity all, in, all unto itself. Yeah. But I remember that was a big deal. When Z Channel aired that, that was the first time you really got to see the director save his own movie for lack of a better term or at least put it well i mean or at least put it back together because when it first came out yeah it was it was that much longer version that first hit hit theaters in new york and even then it still got panned i mean that's the reason why he pulled it and chopped it down to that two and a half hour version which was terrible but luckily now as as years that have as years have gone by I'm not saying it's the most critically acclaimed movie in the world, but it's it's gotten a lot more defenders as the years have gone on. Maybe after maybe after that really butchered two and a half hour version is the one that was seen the most by the public. And then looking at the longer version, hey, the longer version's really good now by comparison. But longer version doesn't necessarily mean director's cut. Look at the Sci-Fi Channel aired this. They promoted Dune, the director's cut. Hmm. It's actually the Alan Smithy version. Yeah. David Lynch said, these scenes you put back, they're not finished. 
they're not scored properly. Some of uh-huh. them aren't even are even missing the companion scene that makes them make sense. No, there is in no just, way this is a director's cut. Yeah. You could just say it's Alan Smithy's director's cut. But then you've got you've got other ones like remember when they re-released Alien a couple of years ago and they called it the director's cut? Was that when they released it? They re-released it theatrically? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And that Ridley Scott he talks a little bit about that on the commentary on, on one of the DVDs. I don't remember if it's on the quadrilogy or the single disc edition. That's not a director's cut. My cut was the theatrical. I had final cut. The movie that was released in 79 is my cut of the film. Mm-hmm. All they did for this was put all the deleted scenes back in, and they said, hey, look, director's cut. No, I, not really. I haven't even seen I haven't even seen that version because it, actually it made me kind of mad that it didn't come to Springfield. Like, we got trailers for it, like, every freaking weekend. Like, it was going to be this really wide-release re-release, you know, like they did with the, the Exorcist. It didn't come, like, anywhere around Springfield. It only came to, like, a handful of freaking theaters. So I was, act- I was actually relatively disappointed that I couldn't go see it in, in, on the screen. But, you know, I, I, I never did see the, the, that version of it. I never saw that version, but I saw all the deleted scenes that were put back in separately, so uh-huh. I know all what was added, and I agree with Ridley. All of these scenes were cut because they were completely unnecessary to the movie. The movie right. works better in the 79 version. As with The Exorcist, I like the uh, 73 version better than I like the re-release that they oh, did. Oh, I, well, I hated that re-release of The Exorcist. Well, not so much... The re-release of The Exorcist, they didn't call it a director's cut. They called no, it the no. version you've never seen. Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't call it the director's cut. I, I hate's a strong word because there were there were a couple of extra things in it that I liked. But I, I really hated that they added that extra ending to it. I, like, I know that that's the ending from the book, but as a movie, the 1973 version of that ended so eerily and so perfectly with him looking down the staircase and the music kicks, kicks in, cuts to ending credits, and in the theatrical version, it, it or I'm sorry, in the re-release version, he does that, and then he goes and has a conversation with the cop about Wuthering Heights. What? That is the ending of the book. It, it is, but as a movie, I... So prefer the ending of the 73 version. Well, speaking of The Exorcist, you said that Chimino pulled Heaven's Gate after a week. Well, mm-hmm. John Borman did the same thing with Exorcist 2. Yeah, after people yeah. were laughing at scenes that were supposed to be scary, he yanked the film out of theaters with Warner Brothers' blessing, of course. And he well, re- hilarious. It is. It's not supposed to be, but it is. And he recut the movie. And mm-hmm. people didn't like it. So they just left that alone, and then he recut the movie again mm-hmm. when it came to home video and cable. So I don't even know what the real director's cut would be for Exorcist 2. The videotape version, the first theatrical version, or the second theatrical version? Or would you say he really doesn't know what he wants for that movie? <laughs> I don't know if anybody knew what they wanted with that movie. <laughs> I think that I don't know. man at this point just doesn't want the movie. I, I think I think it was a guy who was trying to salvage his film. I, I, I do. I mean, because you can when you watch it as hilarious as that movie is. I mean, you can tell that he he was trying to do something relatively original. You can tell that he had some ideas and he wanted to do something different. It just 
it just didn't work <laughs> at all. Just, well, and yeah. you know what the funny thing is? That movie is single-handedly responsible for why executives watch the films before they release them. Warner Brother executives had so much faith in John Borman, they yeah. never even watched Exorcist 2 before they put it out. Well, Stanley Kubrick did a uh, another uh, did did a little tinkering with The Shining like a yeah. week two after it came 2001 out 2001 also they, they, they cut yeah. they cut 17 minutes out of 2001 a week after its release but well, with the shining there was yeah. a, a different ending at the hospital that concluded it and kubrick he just decided he didn't like it anymore he's like yeah that, that was wrong and he took it away and the version that came out after that was the one everyone's familiar with yeah, and and I don't blame him for taking out that hospital scene. There there's still shots of it that exist. There's even like a script of it that exists, and it it's completely unnecessary. And, and with him, I don't I don't know if Kubrick had him pull it. I think what he did was he sent out they they there were orders sent out for projectionists to manually cut just cut it out of the film reels with scissors. How subtle. There is a different version in Europe that actually that actually Stanley Kubrick prefers the version that's released in Europe is like 30 or 40 minutes shorter he prefers that i highly disagree because there's some really important stuff that's cut out of that so what's the one film that you can think of where you hated the theatrical cut and then when you saw the director's cut you just went my god it's a totally different film and i love this movie now uh, let me think. Off the top of my head where an original cut was bad and Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, so um, you, you agree with Roger Ebert on that one? That the longer version is better? Well, no, Roger Ebert called Once Upon a Time in America theatrically one of the worst films of 1984. And then, yeah. and then he called the director's cut one of the best films of the entire 1980s. Most critics did. Gene Siskel did that, too. Dear God, was it far superior? I mean, I can think of I can think of instances where I prefer an extended version, but don't necessarily hate the original. While I think, yeah, the later cuts of Blade Runner are far better than the theatrical cut. The one thing I like, I, I'm one of the few people, and when we did that projection booth on Blade Runner, I really like the narration. I like I, the, I like the director's cut, but I like the narration better. I don't like the narration. I really, really don't. Any time that narration happened, it was just so flat and wooden. It completely took it emotionally. It completely took me out of the scenes. Any time it came up in the movie, any time it popped up, it was like here now. Here's Harrison Ford explaining what's happening to dumb people. No, no, no. See, th there are there are some parts where I agree with you on that, and then there are other parts where I think it gives character. To a character that's only a minor character, it makes them deeper. Like when when Bryant keeps referring to them as skin jobs, the nar the narration that goes like he's the kind of cop that in the 1950s would have called black men niggers. Otherwise, you never really got the idea that skin job was basically like a racial slight, and that added a lot to the Bryant character right there. That's f that's fine. I I don't really need that. And also, it's you know maybe I would like it. Maybe I would like some of it a tiny bit better if it was actually read well, and it wasn't. Well, actually, I can't think of a movie that has drastically changed in my eyes upon a director's cut. There's some that... I've got one in mind. 
you know, there's a couple different intriguing scenes where I'll go, oh, okay, that's not bad. It doesn't really change my general opinion on the movie itself, though. I like the alternate cuts of my own movies better than the original cuts. Oh, I like the alternate ending of Butterfly Effect. That was retarded. That's the ending they got in Europe theatrically, by the way, too. I like the, uh, it, it, even though both versions I love because it's, it's God, it's, it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time, but I, pref- I actually really like the cut of Dawn of the Dead that's like 20 minutes longer. Yeah, but- I, I, I agree with you. I like both cuts of Dawn of the Dead. I like the extra scenes, but the, and then sometimes they slow the movie down. Sometimes they really add to the film. Yeah, I thought for the most part, they really, really, really added to the movie. Like the the whole like uh, montage when uh, she's like sh- uh, shopping for like, you know, baby clothes and stuff like that. Yeah. And d- different little things that they did in the mall to me really, really showed actually the how they really started decreasing and how little they wanted to spend time with each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, yeah, it was it was very good character stuff that they were really getting on each other's nerves by that point. They, I think that in the longer version, it 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 does that a lot more and 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 really better than in the than in the uh, shorter cut. Even though I still love the shorter cut of the movie, I I do. The the Romero cut and the Argento cut. Argento cut, I don't. I no, can, I don't like that one at all. I don't, I don't either, but it's the Argento cut, like it. It, it cuts out too much. It cuts too much character out of it, and basically just turns it into an action movie. And that's exactly what I think he was going for, though. Oh yeah, I oh totally yeah. I, I believe that that was the intent of that cut. I just don't really like it all that much. But see, the one I'm thinking of is like the Frighteners. I saw the Frighteners when it first came to video, and everyone told me it was this good movie, and I just could not get into it. I'm like, the characters are flat. There's obvious quick edits you know i mean there was obvious deleted scenes because some of the editing is really choppy in the theatrical version i just did not like the movie at all then i went and got the laser disc which is okay peter jackson outright says the theatrical cut is his director's cut the uh-huh. the version on dvd and laser disc he calls it the fun cut the characters all have proper motivations the psychosexual imagery all makes sense jeffrey mm-hmm. combs character makes sense this cut is a far superior version of the movie. I love the fun cut. I hate Peter Jackson's director's cut of The Frighteners. I think he prefers the inferior version. When you can tell that there are scenes cut and not a single character has a motivation for what they're doing, that's a dumb cut of the film, even if it's your cut of the film. I actually haven't seen the fun cut of the actually Fridays. neither have i i've only seen the theatrical cut honestly i didn't even know there was another cut of that movie yeah the, I... the one that's on dvd puts 28 minutes of scenes or something back in there's a bunch more stuff with the ghosts there's a lot more stuff between jake Busey and d wallace there's a whole bunch of weird psychosexual stuff added jeffrey combs character not only gets motivations for what he's doing he gets a totally different death even Mm. it's a totally different film i didn't mind it i liked it in theaters and then i liked it on vhs i haven't seen it in about 10 years but but see there's one thing about director's cuts when it when they make that big of a difference and james cameron all of his movies seem to have this after i see the director's cut which i love even if i liked the theatrical cut like aliens or terminator 2 
I can't watch them again because all I see are the scenes that aren't there anymore that make the movie better. Like when I see Aliens on HBO, it's always a theatrical cut and I'm going, no, no, there's supposed to be a scene here with the guns in the hall and there's an extra scene with Hicks and oh, you guys just butcher this film theatrically, damn it! You do remind me, there is a movie that does improve with the director's cut, which is Superman 2 has that Richard Donner cut. I don't think I've seen that one. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen that one. Because they really did take that movie away from him and do retarded things with it. And the Richard Donner cut basically goes to what Richard, you know, Donner was trying for, you know, minus a lot of the cartoony stuff the studio added after. Cellophane S? Yeah. I'm 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 honestly really surprised I never really sat down to watch that. I've always I've always meant to, but I I haven't got around to seeing the 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 Richard Donner cut of that. It is neither of far us. superior to the other version of Superman too. Let's go back to James Cameron for a sec. Do you guys have you seen the director's cuts of Terminator 2, Aliens and the Abyss? Yeah. What what version do you prefer of those? Cuz the Abyss is another one of those like the Frighteners. I did not like the Abyss theatrically. I really, really like the director's cut a lot. I think the director's cut of the Abyss is 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 far better than the theatrical cut. I prefer I prefer Terminator Two without the extra scenes. And see, I'm just the opposite. I, I think Terminator Two works better with the extra scenes. Same with Aliens. They, they lose all the you know one of the few moments I'll agree with Quentin Tarantino on. He was asked about director's cuts in a recent video watchdog issue. And he said Aliens is the number one movie that changes as a director's cut for him because by cutting out the stuff about Ripley's daughter, you lose all of the connection between Ripley and Newt. It is yeah, just retarded that they've deleted that stuff. Alien, aliens, is, aliens is better as a director's cut. Terminator 2, I like the theatrical cut better. I mean, like, I'm sorry, I, I don't need that scene of Kyle Reese showing up in the, in the hospital. No, I don't, I don't need that one. Like the scenes between between Sarah and the T one hundred where like they're repairing him and some of the scenes between the T one hundred and John, they really do add to the movie. There's some extra scenes with Dyson that makes his character far more sympathetic, so you actually feel that Sarah's doing the wrong thing by trying to assassinate him. Uh-huh. I think all that stuff really does add to the movie. It yeah, but I mean I could I could but there was enough could, of that there in the first place. There was. There was enough of that there in the first place. I didn't need that, honestly. And I've, I I think Terminator 2 is a fine movie. I've always preferred the first one over the second oh, one. Oh, yeah. I, the first one's a better film, but the second one is one of the best action movies ever made, I think. Um, and I wouldn't go that far. I, I like I like <laughs> the second one a lot, but I, I, I vastly prefer the first one. And Terminator 2 is a movie that, honestly, I think it's, too long to begin with like it it feels really really long like those extra scenes i didn't really need there was enough of that there in the movie to begin with i think terminator 2 is a it's a fun movie it it is it's 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 very 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 entertaining and i dig it but i i don't need terminator 2 to be longer i cannot watch the theatrical or in this case the american version and that's the professional versus leon the professional Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree with that. I despise the American cut. I just fell in love with the European cut. I know our friend Fred Fritz is just the opposite. He can't stand the European cut. I just think, talk about a movie that's two separate films. 
Yeah, yeah. Like I and I when I saw the professional in the theater when it first came out, I I really liked it. I I enjoyed the movie. And yeah, when I found out that there was this other version, a much longer one, I checked I checked that one out and you're right. It it's night and day between those two movies. And yeah, now no, I don't watch The Professional. I watch Leon. It's a vastly superior freaking movie. I need and, to see Leon then cuz I haven't seen the Oh, you Leon need to version. see it. It, it's, it changes everything, man. It but does. I really like it as it is. So oh, I if did, it gets better. I, oh. Yeah, I, I did too. When The Professional first came out and I watched it before I knew there was this other cut, I liked the movie too. But yeah, after seeing this other one, there's no way I'm going to sit down and watch The Professional again. I'm going to watch Leon. Well, then what about the the rare times where the director's cut makes the movie worse? Mm. Like Highlander 2. A bad movie to begin with. I don't well, know how Russell Mulche made that movie worse by recutting it into his preferred version. Which version would that be? Because there's several versions of Highlander is that the, 2. Is that the Renegade the cut? The Renegade cut is his first one, and then they re-edited it again, and then they added a couple of more scenes, and... Because yeah, at least the theatrical version is hilarious. Um, at least the theatrical one is, is, is pretty freaking funny is is a bad movie you could sit down and watch it and really kind of laugh with the renegade cut it's like well one uh, you know a too little too late and that's a movie that's so bad you can do whatever the hell you want to it and it's still going to be a bad movie you that's might true. as well watch that you might as well watch the version of it that's at least kind of funny to sit through and that's the theatrical one which if that's the version that they showed on hbo and stuff in the mid 90s yeah. like every day that's yeah. the one i watched yeah, yeah. You've got you've got other movies that are again night and day difference where you actually have to wonder if the studio was just trying to put forth some vendetta with how bad they wanted to make the film like Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Because the version they wanted to put out which was only released to syndicated TV was that horrendous Love Conquers All version and then you see Terry Gilliam's director's cut and then you see the theatrical cut which is kind of the Love Conquers All version crossed with Gilliam's version. Mm. Nobody winds up happy with that movie. The critics hate the film because it's a travesty. Audiences hate the film because there are still the pieces from the director's version that are in there that are not audience-pleasing. So you wind up making nobody happy. Why do, why do studios do that? Why don't they just let the damn director put out the movie he wants, which... Most uh, because, cases, <laughs> most cases is the better version of the film. Because, well, we can thank the destruction of New Hollywood for that. <laughs> and there's a lot of times where the director is probably in the wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's there's times there's times where the director needs a leash on him. There, there's oh, absolutely, Apocalypse abs Now, that four-hour version that is just boring as sin. George Lucas's Star Wars prequels needed a studio to come in and say, no, stop, you can't do this. Well, there's that, yeah. But I mean, like with Apocalypse Now, I vastly prefer the theatrical cut over that. I think that the that Apocalypse Now Redux is, I think it's worth watching. I think it's worth, it's worth watching once, you know, as a curiosity factor. If I'm going to watch Apocalypse Now again, I'm going to watch the theatrical version. But I, I, I don't hate Redux. I, I, I think it's worth I think it's worth watching if you like if you like the other one and you, and you want to see what this one is like. And I even have a bootleg of the work print, which is actually an hour longer even than Redux. So there's even more crap in that one. 
But I mean, like, like with Brazil, Americans got the version that, you know, we all probably grew up watching. The Europeans got Gilliam's Cut. The movie flopped in America. Mm-hmm. It made a ton of money in Europe. Right there should have been the indicator that maybe if you let Gilliam release his version in the States, it would have made money, you fucking monkeys. You look at some of these other films like, like Life Force. The film comes out over here. Canon cut, cut the hell out of it. I think 17 minutes were cut out of it. The film makes no sense and audiences stayed away. In Europe, they got the director's cut. Again, it made a ton of money and was critically, well, not acclaimed, but it was critically liked a lot better. Then why do you keep doing that when whenever you do it, it fails? It's clear that the studio doesn't have the right idea on how to make the movie marketable. They just have the right idea on how to, on how they think it will be marketable. But history tends to prove they're idiots. Well, I mean, keep in mind, you're thinking of the examples where it failed. I'm sure there's plenty of other examples, too. Maybe a lot of instances that we don't know about where a studio chimed in and had a movie cut down and had it edited a certain way. Because, I mean, really, that actually kind of happens all the time. (laughs) And the movie goes on to be a huge success. Keep in mind that studios have power over most freaking movies that come out. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're thinking of instances where, you know, there was one released overseas that was longer, and then they cut it down here, and then it did really bad. But, I mean, they they have final say over, like, more or less most freaking movies that come out. So, there's so right there, there's a lot of examples where it's a success. Well, now, I know you hate the movie, but there's a line in Burn, Hollywood, Burn that speaks right to that. When when the when Alan Smithy is asking for a final cut, I, I think it's Ryan O'Neill that goes, no one in Hollywood gets final cut, not even Spielberg. We only let him think he does. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird topic. It, it, it's a weird topic because there's plenty of instances where where you're like, yes, I want this person to have final cut. This guy wrote it. This guy directed it. It's his baby. He should have final cut on it. But then there's other instances where. Someone does need to step in. Someone does need to put a leash on him. Someone does need to be there to say no. Even artistically speaking, you do want... I guess it's right that if you've written this movie and you're directing it and it's your baby, I guess no matter what the project is, yeah, you should have final say on... on you should, No matter if you're an idiot, if you're George Lucas, if you've put out crap and you have no one there to say, to tell you no... Yeah, we're sitting here and we're like, yes, somebody should have been, someone should have been rating him in. Somebody should have told this guy no because, yeah, we want a better movie out of it. But then there's the other part of you that's like, well, artistically speaking, it is his baby, it is his work, it is his art. If he, he wants should to be drown a- it, he can. Yeah, he should be able to do. He should be able to do with it what he wants. You know, I mean. I, I can't imagine somebody making an edit of something that I've written and something that I've directed. Advice? Oh, I, I I take advice left and right. Dear God, I do because you you, you want need somebody. that outside influence. Sometimes. You need outside influence, and you know what? Actually, therein kind of lies Lucas's problem because I don't think he listens to a lot of that. Oh um, no! If you ever watch the behind the scenes on like Phantom Menace, they're clearly visually scared mm-hmm. to tell him, George, this is a dumb idea. 
I mean, yeah. he'll, keep, he'll, he'll be suggesting the dumbest thing, and they'll be kind of have this apprehensive look on their face and be like, okay, George, how do you want us to do this? Yeah. That's a huge problem. You need, you, need to sh- you need to show it to people. You need to get, like, a consensus, and you need advice. You need, you need people who are going to give you really, really honest, straightforward advice. But, you know, like I said, I, I can't imagine writing something, directing somebody, and then somebody else editing it and releasing it mike i would hate that i hate the i i hate i don't know maybe they could do it really well i i have no idea i just hate the idea of that person i'm i'm I'm, ta- I'm talking me personally like me personally with the stuff that i've directed look at james cameron with piranha 2 mm-hmm. he made that movie he directed it kind of co-wrote it even though he didn't write it he was making up scenes on the spot and lance henriksen bears this out a little bit in his book and then they literally locked Cameron out of the editing room and said, what you shot is so unusable, we have to try and salvage your mm-hmm. movie. Knowing what we know about James Cameron, I find it really hard to believe that he shot an unsalvageable film. When you look at Piranha 2, uh-huh. to me it feels like a Cameron film. It Honestly, it does. It does to me, it does to me too. Yeah. So f- for... Aviado Asantis to say that Cameron completely screwed this movie up and that Asantis had to, quote, save it in editing is a big disservice to James Cameron, I think. Well, I mean, I haven't seen what James Cameron's version would have been. So I don't, none of I, us have. But so, well, yeah. So because of that, I can't really give an opinion on it. But I can say what I can say is that the version of Piranha 2 that's out there for me, yeah, it does feel like a James Cameron movie. I think it's a. I think Piranha Two is a fun B movie. So yeah, so I I don't know if it's any better or worse than what James Cameron would have put together. I don't know. I no one's seen it. I imagine before film even starts production, the director and the producers have gotten together and discussed, you know, what each party wants for the movie and come to some sort of compromise before they even started shooting. And if a director isn't meeting their end of that bargain, then yeah, somebody needs to be there to say no. Think about director's cuts that really just go around the MPAA. Something like Natural Born Killers. In all honesty, the director's cut doesn't change that much other than adding all the violence back in, which I prefer. I think the movie flows better and it's not as choppy in the director's cut. All he did was basically add violence. Um, Tony Scott did the same thing with True Romance. The mm-hmm. director's cut of that is just the violence added back in. Mm-hmm. Is that really the director's cut or just the cut before the MPAA took their scissors to it? I think that that can totally be a director's cut because if if I if if let's say yeah I'm in Tony Scott's shoes and I've got to cut this movie down to an R because some shitheads over at the MPAA tell me to, then yeah, I would be kind of mad because that's not that's not my preferred version of the movie. So yeah, I would love to add the brutality back to it if if that's if that's what the situation is then yeah that can totally be considered a director's cut of the movie it, it really sucks that you can't freaking release a movie that's an nc-17 there's a difference between cutting a movie down from an r to a pg-13 than there is from an nc-17 to an r because r to pg-13 people do it because they're freaking greedy because they're greedy and they're pussies you can market a PG, you can market an R movie the same way you can market a PG-13 movies, and you can put it in however many theaters you want. If your movie is NC-17, you're screwed because they're not going to advertise your movie. 
There are certain places that aren't going to sell it. There are certain places that aren't going to show it. So it's like you're being forced to censor your own damn movie. Well, the MPAA is also variable on what they give NC-17s to or not. So if you're an independent, they give you an NC-17, you might as well just release it. Because the MPAA is going to make you cut that thing up so much. Oh yeah, I give I give mad I give mad respect to uh, filmmakers who stick to their guns. And oh, just, absolutely. And, yeah, and just release the NC-17 version. Well, let's talk about two Paul Verhoeven films. Sticking with the NC-17 thing, Showgirls. I've never seen the R-rated cut. Neither when, have I. When I didn't see it in the, in theaters, when my wife and I rented the NC-17 cut, or I. I think they called it unrated. I don't even think they called it NC-17 on video, but that's the cut it was. And I'm wondering, because that version, it's a bad movie. I'm not yeah. going to try and defend it. I don't think that, I don't think it's that bad of a movie that it should have gotten the ire that it did. Let's move over to RoboCop. Now, obviously, we all grew up watching the R-rated cut, mm-hmm. which is pretty gory even as an R-rated movie. Yeah. And then when you see the director's cut on Laserdisc and on DVD, I think that movie would have been even bigger had they just released that to theaters. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, we grew. Yeah. Like you just said, I mean, we grew up with the regular version, but I I love that director's cut. I really do. I think the director's I think the fact that it's way more violent adds way more to the satire of that. film. Oh, yeah, because it's so cartoonishly violent, which is which was what Verhoeven's intention was. He, he, he mentions on the commentary that, like, when the Ed 209 malfunctions and kills that guy in the boardroom, mm-hmm. that it actually makes the violence more brutal in the R-rated version by the way it's cut than in the, the-, in the director's cut. So I think there are certain filmmakers like, like Verhoeven and Oliver Stone that have run way afoul of the MPAA, and they just – you need to let them release their movies. I I think you'll probably be with me on this, too, like because when you mentioned director's cuts, one of the things that came to my head was being kind of annoyed whenever a director's cut would come out and it would be like the only version of something that I could find. Oh, Oliver Stone's Any Given Sunday. Yeah. yeah, And an example that comes to my head, even though even though you could find the the regular version of this in a lot of places. But when there was, when there was a special edition VHS put out of uh, blues brothers around here, you couldn't get that unless it was the longer version that adds like a few extra scenes to it that I really didn't need. I don't think I've ever seen that version. There's, there's a scene in it where it shows Elwood, like either getting fired or quitting his job at a glue factory and so, like that, I, that does explain later on why he has that glue with him, and he glues the pedal to the car. But I didn't need to know why he had glue on him. With the tone of that movie, it made sense that Elwood would just have a thing of glue. I, on ex- him. Exactly. That that didn't that didn't that never seemed out of place to me either. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't really need that extra scene. And there were some other extra scenes in it too that I I can't freaking remember off the top of my head, but. That kind of drove me nuts that, like, for, like, that, yeah, a special edition of that only really existed with that longer version of, of or that particular special edition. Yeah, um, I could only ever find the director's cut of the original Dawn of the Dead, the longer one that was two VHSs. Oh, I've yeah. got that. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, I've got that one, too. Where that's it, all I ever saw for sale anywhere. I, I've, got an, I've got an old HBO Thorn clamshell of the, of the uh, theatrical cut. 
Yeah, yeah. Like Dave's that. got Dave's got that clamshell, the one with the kind of multicolored box cover. Yes. Yeah, that. Yeah, one. I, I've got that old Thorn EMI release. What about when the director's cut? It it just kind of is pure ego. When the scenes don't add anything to the movie, they destroy the pacing, but the director is just so proud of his own footage, he can't bear to cut it. Well, I mean, about Death Proof. Death Proof would be one. That's one example I was going to give that that Tarantino outright said the footage was too good to not be seen, which is just pure ego worship of himself. Well, if I mean, it's his product, and if that's what he. If I if I made a movie and there were scenes in it that I really really loved and wanted people to see, yeah, I would put that on a DVD. I don't think that the I don't think either version of Death Proof works, but um, <laughs> I, I I don't like I I don't like the longer version either. I probably like the theatrical version better because at least it's shorter. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, less, it's less torturous. Yeah, um, but I t- I totally see where Tarantino is coming from on that though. If yeah, if you have taking 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 away what it does to the movie, take, taking that out of it, yeah. If if you want, if you think you have a superior cut of your film, and you've made scenes that you really like, and you want people to see because you're you're proud of them, you're proud you're proud of your own work. I totally get that. I don't even think that necessarily has to be an ego thing. I think that that's well, no, just... I, I think the Tarantino, the ego thing was the scenes were just too good to not be seen. That was an ego thing, that that statement of his. I totally get where he's coming from. First of all, you need a little bit of ego anyway to direct a movie. <laughs> Tarantino doesn't need any more ego. I don't know. if Most directors have a freaking ego. I mean, yeah, Tarantino does, but who the hell doesn't? But I, 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 totally, I, I totally get where he's coming from. Yeah, if you think you've directed something really, really good, or you've directed scenes that are good, then okay, you have the right to want people to see it. I, I totally understand that. In Death Proof, I didn't think it worked, but I at least get where he's coming from. Director's cuts that are actually the director's cut. Tarantino's Death Proof, for instance, are far superior than when they release a DVD that's cut version of the movie. It's a different version and they slap director's cut on there to make money. But then I'm thinking of like going back to the Frighteners thing. What about when the director's cut hurts the movie either pacing wise or just creates nice little plot holes that you never explain in the final film. I'm thinking like Steven Summers, the mummy one character all of a sudden has his arm in a sling and they even mention it later and you never find out how it happens or why it happens, and it was all done in deleted scenes because they thought this character's not as interesting, so let's just cut as much of him out of the film as possible. Even when I saw that movie in the theater, I started noticing, why is his arm in a sling all of a sudden? It yeah. took me out of the film. So mm-hmm. to me, that doesn't help the film, does it? No, 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 not at all. And I, I, I'm struggling to, off the top of my head, really think of like instances where I really, really hated a director's other than the ones I've already mentioned. I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of more examples. I, I do have, and I haven't watched these, but Ed gave them to Ed gave them to me. They're the director's cuts of a couple of Albert P on movies, cyborg and captain America. And Ed was telling me about how they're actually like way worse. They are for a couple of reasons. One is 
he didn't have the money to actually finish the the scenes, like to to remaster them. They are clearly taken from like an old VHS or SVHS dub of them, so the the literal video and audio quality is far lower, and they really do not add much to the films. Oh, dude, I really hated that when that special edition of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly came out on DVD. You could only get it like extended because the scenes on there that were the bonus scenes it wasn't that they were necessarily bad scenes like all told but the problem it was really distracting whenever they came up because those scenes weren't dubbed those scenes weren't dubbed when the movie was first released eastwood eli wallach they they never got a chance to dub their voices in those scenes so now with this with this bonus one, they came back 40 plus years later <laughs> to to dub them. So they sound significantly freaking older. This is <laughs> I have that version, but I haven't watched it. I think I want to watch it now just to see that. What about director's cuts where there are multiple director's cuts? We hinted at it before. We're like the director every couple of years changes his mind. George Lucas, Ridley Scott, Steven Spielberg, like. I can't think of how many VHS editions I have of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I've, I think I've got four different VHSs that are different cuts of that movie. Mm-hmm. Just settle on one, Spielberg. Jesus! I got one version on DVD, and that's the version I go with because I figure other cuts can't be that much different. Why do you think that, okay, because Spielberg, like, for Close Encounters, he even mentions it on the commentary, he had Final Cut. So what was released to theaters... In 77 is what he wanted released to theaters. And then he changed his mind for the TV version. He's like, well, I'd like to move this around and do this. Okay. And then when it was coming to home video, well, I thought maybe do this and do this. And then he just kept George Lucasing that movie that every couple of years, well, this would improve this and let's move this around and let's do this. And to a film fan, that's irritating as hell. It's yeah, it's it, that can get kind of irritating when there's all of these different versions of a movie. I, I get it. Like, because, like, may, okay, maybe you really prefer it. Maybe you really prefer it now, but maybe in a couple years, you might think of something that you want to do differently and, and, and try to and try to make an, another version of it that maybe you think you could do better because you've had this new idea about how to re-edit it. I understand that, but I totally get that, yeah, that that's irritating and unnecessary. But it, at it, least it, in Spielberg's case... He didn't pull the other versions like George Lucas for a while. Yeah. Where it was, I mean, George Lucas was so arrogant about that. When Star Wars was entered into the National Film Registry, he sent them the 1997 special edition. They sent it back saying, no, that's not the version that is culturally significant to American film history. Yeah. And, and he was fighting them going, but the version released in theaters was unfinished. This is the movie I want unfinished my ass well that's not the one that people remember yeah that's not the version that changed film so it's like okay you can have your special edition i hate them but you can have them fine but yeah but to pull the theatrical cuts and go i don't want anyone to be watching these anymore is just hubris to me I, Half the reason I still keep a VHS is because of the original versions of Star Wars. Those never even saw a DVD. My, that's why I kept my laser discs of those because they're the widescreen original versions. Yeah, that's what I got. I've got the the big I've got the big box that's got uh, 
the four widescreen tapes in it, and then that bonus tape that's like the uh, the making of documentary. Star Wars to Jedi or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Robert Weiss's cut of Star Trek the Motion Picture. Mm. That film's boring to begin with, so he adds 16 minutes of more boredom. How does he think that makes the film better? Fine, it's his version. I get that. It just made the film drag even more. Maybe he saw something in that 16 minutes that we haven't caught yet. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? You know what the thing is? Is I I actually like Star Trek the motion picture. But you know, I probably the reason for that is when I first saw Star Trek the motion picture, I watched it in segments. <laughs> yeah, I saw it theatrically when I was four. My mom took me to the theater. All I I remember falling asleep, and mm. I just remember that like rainbow warp signature that the Enterprise leaves, and the bald chick. I yeah. loved the bald chick. Me of too. Perseus Kambata. She was great. But yeah, when I first watched it, I watched like 45 minutes of it one night, another 45 like the next night, and then like finished it off. Watching it like that, I don't know. It, it it really worked on me. I I I don't hate Star Trek the motion picture. I I kind of liked it. I I actually found it. I actually found the mystery of it relatively intriguing. Like it's it's slow as shit, but the plot and everything with with Viger, I found I was actually really invested in where it was going. The only thing I liked from that film was Shatner's ridiculously bad line delivery when. Commander Sonic gets melted in the transporter, and uh, pretty much any line that McCoy gives. Well, it's McCoy because he stole that damn movie from Shatner. Uh huh. Showing but, up, showing up on the bridge, all like bearded and shit, and, and angry. Yeah. They, they drafted me. Yeah, he 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 stole that movie, but then he stole the old series too. So. Oh yeah, it's freaking bones, man. Other movies where, like the 2009. J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. I, I I liked it, okay? I'm not bitching about the movie, but when I left the theater, my wife, who's also a Trekkie, and I were discussing, well, wait a minute, but there's this plot hole and this plot hole and this plot hole. Then you look at the DVD, and he didn't put them back in the movie. They're all explained in deleted scenes, just like Ridley Scott did with Prometheus. All the deleted scenes explain most of the plot holes. Is that fair to the movie-going public that even if your preferred cut is this version that I, you destroyed the story for it? Yeah, well, who yeah. deleted those scenes? Ridley Scott and J.J. Abrams. Did they? Yeah, so they They chose. created a worse film. But it was still their film. Yeah, I mean, like, what I, I understand what both of you are saying on Alex's end. It's, well, yeah, I mean, they have the right to do that. If that's the version they want to put out, that's, it's their movie. They're, okay, they go. But on the other hand, like what Josh is saying, my God, would that have saved it? shitload of freaking internet bitching it would have because like prometheus obviously the scenes aren't put back in the film but they explain a good chunk of the criticisms that were leveled to that movie and ridley's like ah they threw the pacing off threw, threw off the pacing would you rather have a well-paced movie or a movie that makes fucking sense well yeah, that would have saved of, so much damn nerd rage in the case of star trek i never picked up on those plot holes on in the theatrical version when i first saw it I, Dude, I, did like, I did like right neither. away. I, I did like I, right I away because like Nero's ship is floating there and then, you know, 20 years pass before Spock comes out and his ship is still there. I'm like, so was Nero just floating next to the wormhole for 20 fucking years? I what figured happened? that's 
I figured that's exactly what he did, and I didn't have a problem with it and, at the time. you know, the deleted scenes show that they were captured by the Klingons, and they spent the last 20 years in a Klingon prison camp. And I'm like, okay, that at least explains that they weren't just sitting there just kind of milling around their ship for two fucking decades. I mean, but it, it, it's like what Alex said. I didn't really pick up on that, nor did I care. It's freaking Star Trek movie. My God, like the others don't have freaking plot holes in them. It's freaking Star Trek. Jesus Christ. Freaking internet. And it's J.J. Abrams, so that's um, not necessarily like, a positive either. Plot holes are like anything else, and I've said this a million freaking times. If, you're, if, it, if it's done so badly to where it's freaking blatant to you and it takes you out of the movie, that's a problem. If that did that to you in Star Trek, then yeah, that's that's totally... That's totally a legitimate problem if that really did take you out of me. And it, it did. It, I, I kind of and it really I, I, and it really flew out to you. For for me, for me, it didn't. For me, I I didn't notice. I didn't really notice it. Retrospect, I don't really care because there's shit like that that's happened in Star Trek for the past forty years. So, but I do totally agree with like, yeah. If 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 these holes can be easily explained in deleted scenes. My God, keep it in the damn movie. Keep it in the damn movie because it's going to be bitched about for years. Exactly. So before we wrap up, what is your favorite director's cut? One that, that it enhanced the movie for you to the point where you just went, this is just phenomenal. What is your favorite? I'm going to guess yours, Brad, is going to be Caligula over the like R-rated-y you know, home video oh. version. I'm going to yeah, guess I that. I, I don't know if that's really, well, I don't think there's, there technically really is a director's cut of Caligula because of how much Tito Brass disowns that. Actually, I think Tito Brass actually prefers the R-rated version of it. I so don't because, yeah, while the porn is missing from the R-rated version, so are a lot of really important scenes of that movie that really throw a lot of stuff out of whack. So the uh, I don't consider the longer version of that to be a director's cut. I consider it to be the original cut, because it is. It is the original cut of that movie. But Caligula has, like, freaking umpteenth versions of it that are, that are released. That's a whole show in and of itself with all the alternate versions of that movie. Would have to be the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. But if we're talking director's, director's cuts, well, actually, this isn't really even technically a director's cut either, but I definitely, but that longer version of Dawn of the Dead. Right, okay, yeah, and like I said, I agree with you on that. I like both versions, but that one, it does add to the characterization. I gotta go with Aliens. I liked, the, I liked it theatrically. I love the director's cut because it just makes so much more sense. And the weird thing about that is, I saw a strangely bastardized version of the director's cut before the director's cut. Do you remember mm. when that first aired on TV in 1988? What it, they did what they did was they had to cut out so much violence that the film was now running too short. Mm-hmm. So they put all the deleted scenes back in. They're still edited for swearing and whatnot. So when you watch it on ABC, there's the scene with Ripley's daughter. There's the there's the scene with the guns in the hallway. There's the scenes with the kids on Hadley's Hope. I'm watching this on ABC like, what the hell? That's not in the movie? <laughs> so, I, I, so I saw the director's cut in the TV version before uh-huh. that came out on Laserdisc as a director's cut, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. So I, I think the director should usually get his final cut of the film. 
Where can we find Brad Jones with his director's cuts? TheCinemaSnob.com. Actually, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're kind of right. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I knew you have the director's cuts on your website. I wasn't being smartass with that one. Director's cuts and with paranoia, the writer's cut. Where can, where can we find Alex never gets final cut Jowski? I never get final cut because I never liked that program, man. It's, it's, it's expensive. <laughs> GeekJuiceMedia.com. You can find me at the same GeekJuiceMedia.com, 1201Beyond.com, and contact the show at 1201Beyond at gmail.com. Have a good night, guys. Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.